Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. From Audacious on Connecticut Public Radio, I'm Kyone Wolf, and this is an extended conversation I had with Z-Way. If you've seen Z-Way on her eponymous Showtime series or YouTube show Baited, then your heart might be racing right now. But if you haven't heard her direct, hilarious interviewing style... I believe in using humor as a tool to shed light on the truth. But there are some issues that are too sensitive to joke about. What bothers you more, slow walkers or racism? You have a book called Pretty Powerful. Why do you think ugly people can't be powerful? Are you a racist? My face is blurred for this, right? How many times have you said the N-word? The A or the E-R? Who do you want to represent less, immigrants or gay people? You have made me feel so empowered. Well, the interview's not over. Truly, there is no interviewer quite like Z-Way. I asked her the same first question I asked journalists Gail King and Mehdi Hassan, whom we also spoke with for this episode, and whose extended interviews you can check out on our podcast feed. How much did the child version of herself resemble the interviewer she is today? That's a great question. I, pr- I honestly refer back to my, my five-year-old self when, I'm, when I feel lost creatively. Like, what, was, what did that kid enjoy? And so I remember, I was a really well-behaved child, honestly. Like, I was the kid at every restaurant that p- parents would look over and be like, wow, your kid is so well-behaved. But then at home, I would be like, I would throw talent shows for myself and make my family watch. Um, obviously, they didn't want to, but I kind of, like, held them hostage in that sense. So I was both like a public, like goody two shoes and like a private ham. See, I wonder when I was raised, my mom, she, every time I would ask her a question, like what this word means or whatever, she would get so excited and she would answer it with respect and love. Like, finally, my daughter wants to know something, but it was over and over again. And so I was raised in a household where asking questions made my mom happy and I wanted oh, really? to make my mom happy. Yeah. What was, what was it like as you, as, as I imagine an inquisitive child, how was that held? That's a great question. I, hmm, I, I've always asked a lot of questions as well, but I remember being very nosy and I, I honestly, like I am and was an information sponge. So I watched a lot of daytime talk shows. You're five years old. It's like, I watched a lot of Regis and Kathy Lee. And then I would just remember like, okay, they, the, to this episode, they met with a surgeon and like, you have to wear um, sunscreen because 90% of Americans, you know, and I would retain all of that information even as a young child. And so that was more where the curiosity came from was that I, I have a really good memory with facts um, and hist- history specifically. And so I, I, my parents really encouraged that and like would buy me history books all the time. And we'd watch like old time movies um, about history. And yeah, that was something that was really encouraged. Just a love of history. And you've talked about how as a child, white people would bring up race in a conversation without any prompting. Can you talk about how that pattern became a part of what you're so well known for now? 
I think that my interview style is so awkward in part because I would find myself in really deeply awkward conversations in high school and college and wish that there was a camera on me to to understand like, okay, this is not just in my head. Like I just remember specifically one time talking to someone in school and they just randomly brought up like their nanny being black. And I was like, why would you bring that up? I, what, and, but she meant well, it was just like a word vomit for whatever reason she was uncomfortable. Um, and so that was, that's probably one of the like origins to my like superhero story is <laughs> just like not being able to shake people bringing up really random things to me and then like turning that into comedy. When I think about white people talking to you about race and racism, you know, I'm not, I'm a white woman, so I don't know what this is like, but I also imagine that there's a certain like, why me? Like, what do you think? This is not my job to work this through with you. It's not your job to work it through with anybody. But now it's almost like you're you're leaning into like, all right, well, if we're going to do this, let's do it. Yeah, I definitely think chaos reigns. I think there's a part of my audience that thinks that watches interviews and thinks I can't believe this is happening. And then there's a portion of my audience that watches the interviews and thinks this has happened to me exactly before. Do you feel like in a way, you know, you are Z-Way, you are speaking for, as one person, you're, you're not representing anybody, but at the same time, like you have this, this, at this point, expectation to be talking about race when it, you know, when it comes up. And so in a way, it's like, all right, well, if I'm going to be at the helm of this, like I want to dig in deep. And there's something it feels empowering, frankly, for everybody I'm seeing on the screen. So what's your question? <laughs> Sorry. That's, a, <laughs> that's a good question what's my question is that is that right does it feel empowering to be doing this and having these conversations or does what are the other feelings around it oh that's a good question I think as I started off as a writer and what you learn as a writer is like specificity helps to have universal connection, right? If you're really specific about the character and their universe that they're able to connect to a wider audience. And so I find that in me sharing specific examples from my life or like using those examples to create my art, I'm able to connect with a wide audience. So it's empowering in that I feel seen. I feel like, okay, this isn't just in my head. Like, wow, I'm not just like losing my mind. Actually, people can all relate to these weird conversations or like the tension they feel about whether or not they should answer or not answer. So that is the empowering element. Like it's less about me trying to start a movement and more about me trying to move myself. And I know that you always get this you always get people being like like there's fear people fear you and i will be the one of many that at first when uh khalil produced this when khalil suggested that we talk i i had seen your work and i was like oh shit. oh shit. and i why right and that's the thing that came up and i because i've seen especially with baited and i think like, oh my God, is she going to ask me a question I don't know the answer to? And that will reveal my own ignorance. So it was sort of a Rorschach test about like, what am I so afraid of? Like, isn't it revealing that people feel afraid of you? 
I think maybe they feel afraid of themselves. I don't slap my guests. I don't, I don't like hog tie them and put them in the basement. I am just, I, and also specifically, I do not have answers to many questions. I think that is like the premise of my show was that the questions are impossible to answer. Therefore it is a Rorschach test in that you are just going to, or rather a litmus test Like you throw out what you think and then let the world and yourself like, interact with how that answer um so yeah i don't know i can't i don't know why people are afraid of me i think i am very sweet and kind and beloved but i don't know those moments when you toss out a question or you sort of uh, dangle something in front of someone to sort of get them to go deeper into what they're saying in those uncomfortable moments are you uncomfortable what's going on in you Yes, I'm deeply uncomfortable. I think you can see it in my face. I, but I kind of am, I am at peace with sitting through discomfort. Um, that's just like being human. I wouldn't, but also even thinking like wider, do people feel comfortable in interviews ever? Unless they're like a hyper narcissist who has <laughs> written every answer, like isn't the point of an interview to explore? Therefore, like, I don't think, I, I understand that what, that the way that I approach interviews is radical because of my identity, but I watch Real Housewives and every question Andy Cohen asked these girls is like, so like, you got a nose job, what's that about? And <laughs> isn't that uncom deeply uncomfortable? And you really don't get the same fear and provocation when it comes to him or Howard Stern or Colbert and his yore. But it's the same genre. Even like when you think about Oprah and her most classic, she asks really, really wild questions like, are you silent or were you silenced? That is, how do you answer that without discomfort? But that's what makes her so sensational. So really, I'm just like, I am another like tentpole in this like long storied history of American journalism. I just happen to have a comedy background. So that's how I approach it. When you're hanging out with friends, how much do you weave in that talent, that skill that you've been refining for so long and that you're making a living with? And how much is that? Nah, that's really only for the cameras. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, the persona I play is heightened. It's she's like, wears like a, like a blazer dress and like stilettos. So you have to have a different approach, but with friends, I mean, you're always like comedians are the worst because they're always kind of working out material. Um, <laughs> so I probably like work through like, okay, POV guys, what do y'all think about affirmative action? Let, let's hear you in the group chat. And then you kind of pull that into your work. Um, so a little bit of this and a little bit of that, I'd say I, it's a heightened character, but I definitely use the material from the real world. When I prepare for an interview, you know, thankfully, I've got producers who do great research. They come up with great questions. I added questions to the list. And production's really, really fun. And I was a producer long before I was a host. And so I think the more prepared I am, the better. But at the same time, I'm really drawn to some element of seeking surprise and being open to like, no, I don't know everything about Z-Way. And frankly, I don't want to know everything about Z-Way as we go into this conversation. And so when you're preparing, and you've got your team too, what is the role of the mystery as you prepare to talk to somebody? Oh, so I like to know everything. <laughs> I'm like an information sponge. Like I'll listen to like your, like a podcast from like 2014 that was like six minutes long and like really bad audio quality. 
Because I, I mean, there are so many interview shows and I find that sometimes the questions can be sort of redundant, especially when people are on their like respective press tours. And so even if I'm asking a question that just establishes like, who is this person and why am I talking to them? I want to know what they potentially would answer and how can I dive a little deeper? Um, I did an interview recently with someone and we were talking about like their villain origin story. They basically were talking about how they got into plastic surgery uh, and the fact that they were bullied for their nose. And I was I was so like I they had never said that in an interview before. And me just like asking a follow up question allowed me to like understand them as like a, a rounded, like more vulnerable character. So I just think that that helps the interview, like being overprepared. When I think about what this job as an interviewer, as an interviewer does for me, like I can't imagine not doing it now. And I'll do this work for the rest of my life one way or the other. Like I feel in some ways that this work has formed me. I've always been really curious and now I have an outlet for it. Do you feel the same? I don't think that this work has formed me. I think I have formed work around my around how I behave they say that like if something comes easy to you do it for for a living and that's really how I feel like I ask questions I'm curious and so I will do this for the rest of my life but because it's easy versus when you're like there are other elements of my job and it's like, oh gosh, <laughs> like, okay, let me sit down and write <laughs> writing hours, oh you know, like, and I love writing, but it, it's, it's a labor of love versus interviewing is like, it doesn't feel like labor to me. When you think about the people who are best at being interviewers, you'd mentioned Oprah. Oprah is the best American interviewer. Hot take. She, because of the format that she, I think that she revolutionized the sensational interview. I, and she's so good at it. She made a billion dollars. I think Oprah, I think Howard Stern is also a fantastic interviewer. And Andy Cohen comes from that, that like uh, school of thought. But yeah, I think that those two are pretty good. What would you like to get better at as an interviewer? Ooh, what would I like to get better at as an interviewer? That's a, I don't know. What do you want to get better at as an interviewer? I would like to get better at being more in the moment. You know how you have your whole list of questions and you kind of jump around and that's fine. Mm. But I feel like oftentimes I'm holding like, how do I want this to flow while being while actively listening to the person and, and being co completely engaged with them? So sometimes I'm not as present as I'd like. And I think the more present I can be, the more organic the conversation can feel. A hundred percent. I definitely think present being present is like one of the most important things about interviewing. Um, I think so. I'm going to say something, but I don't know if I should actually get better at it. But I I definitely care about my guests <laughs> as problematic as they are. I, I approach them as humans because I research them so intensively and you're like learning their hopes and dreams. And it's, I like, I don't want anything bad to happen to them, even though I don't want anything bad to happen to them. And so obviously they say in like documentary, you don't want to, you don't want to mess with the subject. You allow them to exist and just like consider them in plain sight. And then the viewer must make their own opinion. And I want, I don't know if it would make me a better interviewer if I had less 
of an emotional investment in people not being miserable um, and not being and being okay. But I definitely think that I've gotten that advice before, but I don't agree with it. So that's not a real answer to you, but it's definitely a critique I've gotten is that sometimes I can be a little soft or handholdy, even though I'm accused of being, um, you know, brass. One of the other guests on this episode is going to be Gail King. And yeah, I, I love Gail. She loves you too, by the way. I love Gail. And she, we were talking about like, her interest is in getting straight answers from people. That's, that is her focus. That is her job. She does all the research. Just give me a straight answer. Ne- ask until you figure, until it's clear. You have that objective, it seems as well, but you also are, you're also like trying to get this to be funny, you know? And so I'd love to hear about what's going on in your brain and the rest of you as you're trying to get straight answers, answers from people, but you're also like, this is a comedy show. Oh yeah. I mean, what's interesting is I, I guess you could say I'm trying to get, I ask direct questions. I don't know if I want straight answers I get, or is straight fluid in this case, because I'm there's, there's like the factual truth and then there's emotional truth. And I think that my work predicates on emotional truth, right? So you take my interview with Alyssa Milano and she, I ask her a question, I ask her any question. Um, like, wait, so what, what, what's the race of your therapist? And she might give like a very, long like meandering answer and we never actually get to the point of the question and that is a perfectly like functional interview to me because it really isn't about what her answer is it's more about what she feels compelled to say in this moment right so that that's probably where the comedy comes in is that facts especially in this era god bless it facts have a loose a tenuous relationship to entertainment. And so like what fact, the fact is not as compelling in this space to me as what you're trying to convey about yourself in this conversation that is public. Um, And so you see that crossover with my IG live to my Showtime show to whatever iteration I do next. But if I was like on CBS morning and it was Gail King and I was, you know, a proper journalist, then you, you you have to be motivated by fact. Otherwise you'd get a huge lawsuit and, you know, um, society as we know it would collapse, but I am a comedy show. So I'm not as concerned with that as I am with just like, so tell me about like the PT cruiser that you got when you were a kid like sure let's go down this road because you're unpacking something let's let's deal with it which is probably also why i feel like a weird connection to my guests is because we're um, unpacking constantly and that's what we're creating this art together like it's not just me um they are they i could not exist without them bringing whatever they have to the table yeah and you're talking about vulnerable things you're asking them to say things that are true to them in the way that it is and there's also that involves a lot of trust and i don't i I don't know how you build trust besides having them be able to see what you've done before and they they sort of understand what they're getting into but i'd love to hear your thoughts on the importance of trust when it comes to interviewing somebody that's i think that you have to be motivated by ethics around like how what do you do you want to portray your guests as they are or as they presented themselves to you or whatever would get the best clicks right and so from i i am connected i'm grounded in the humanity of my guests so that is how i i like navigate those ethics like what on a human level is this okay to do i don't want to present mistruths i don't want to edit just for laughs and it's like not really accurate so that's something that I really abide by. And I think that's how I gain trust. 
yeah, I think that's how I gain trust. But I think more than that, it's just like talking to them and like offering elements of myself in conversation. So it's like, if they feel uncomfortable, it's like, yeah, here, let's go down this uncomfortable road. I don't have an answer either. Um, this is this is my experience. Who's somebody you would love to interview you who hasn't yet? Someone I would love to interview me? Mm-hmm. So as an interviewer, I actually hate being interviewed. I'm going to be honest. I, thought, I don't want to talk about myself. Um, at all. So all of my favorite interviewers, I would like them to interview me because I want to hang out with them and meet them and see their (laughs) style. Like I would love to just understand, like peek behind the curtain of Oprah Winfrey or of Howard Stern. I would love that. But I wouldn't want to be on the other side of their interrogation because I don't want to be the the star (laughs) in that space. Like I don't prefer that. I'm more of a listener than I am a talker, believe it or not. Well, that means a lot to me and makes me even more thrilled to have gotten to talk to you. So Z-Way, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I had such a great time. That conversation you just heard was part of an episode we did with two other interviewers who are at the top of their game, Gail King and Mehdi Hassan. You can hear those extended conversations right around this one in your podcast feed. Audacious is always lovingly produced by Khalil Rahman, Jessica Severin D. Martinez, Meg Fitzgerald, Meg Dalton, and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, with help from our courageous interns, Letitia Peters and Joey Morgan. You can stay in touch with me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Kion Wolf, and you can always send an email to audacious at ctpublic.org. Thanks for listening.